This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today we have a repeat offender this man needs no introduction. Dr. Billy Williams has just released the Sales Objections Pocket Guide, and that's what we're going to talk about today. What's up, my man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Really excited to be able to help agents, not just agents. The nice thing about this pocket guide is that it has spanned industries. You know, exactly, we sold, yeah. We sold 6,000 copies the first week. And I'd probably say maybe a thousand of those was insurance, but we sold to dry cleaners and, you know, uh, Mary Kay. And I mean, you you name it, anyone that's in sales is really, really gravitating to a book like this. Well, I think objections are the same across all industries. They're just worded differently or, I mean, in, at least in my experience, I mean, it's always the same thing. Like it's always, we're too busy we already have this. We already have that. We don't need it. You know, it, it's it, it just may be worded differently or apply differently based on your industry. But the way that you overcome them, I feel like is the same. Well, to a point, the way that you overcome them should follow the same formula. But because of the in, because of the industry, because of the product, because of the service, you're going to have to do something different. Like if I sure. were a tree trimmer, I can't use the same response as if I were a dry cleaner's. To overcome a response, but I can use the same formula right. to make sure that I'm doing the response properly. Yeah. So talk about that for a second. I mean, I don't want you to give away the concept no, of the entire. No, no, book. I don't mind. He, come on, Dave. This is me. G- giving it away is not going to hurt me because those that are going to buy it are going to buy, it and those that aren't aren't. So I right. Hundred percent about that for me. Um, so I use a five five. You guys are taking notes for the listeners. I use a five five four three formula. You know, you know, for me, Dave, you've been with me a while. You know the deal. If I can't explain it in numbers, it's too damn complicated. So <laughs> it sounds like what I do for ribs, the three, two, one. <laughs> Similar. There you go. We got to talk about that one then. Yeah. But uh, no, just a five five four three system. The first five are the five areas that you're likely to hit an objection such as when you're trying to first connect with your prospect, however you're trying to connect with them, whether that's cold calling, calling referral, whatever, when you're trying to connect with your prospect. The second time is when when you have to leave a voicemail. 
and see for me a a rejection and a and no response is the same thing. A lot of people won't think of as an objection, a rejection, a no response. They feel like they're all different. To me, if you're not responding, you're objecting or you're rejecting. End of story. And so the second one is when I'm trying to leave a voicemail. The third one is I finally got you, but now I need to get information from you. So I have another series of objections I have to overcome because you don't want to give me information. And then the fourth one is I got the information. I've worked for you. I've put everything together. And now I can't get back in touch with you. Mm. You, you won't call me back. You won't follow up. Right. Um, and then the fifth one finally is I've done all that. I finally got you set down and now I need to close you. So we look at objections all through those. So that's the first five. And then the five responses that's, and I want to, I don't want to throw that out. I actually want to go through that with the conversation, sure. but there are five main responses or five goals of the response that we really have to think about. Because a lot of people think the, the response is always to sell. I need to close a sale. And sometimes that's not true. Sometimes the goal of the response is just to get you to agree to keep talking. Sometimes the goal is just to get you to agree to, to give me information. Sometimes the goal is to agree to make you to to get you to make the next appointment so that we can continue talking. So I think a lot of salespeople, they get so focused on the sale that they lose the fact that there are, there are sub goals within that sale, that if you hit those sub goals, you're going to get a lot closer to that sale. And then the four is the formula that, that I, that I mentioned to Kyle, the formula for all objections and all objections can be handled using that same four-step formula that we'll go over. And then finally, three is the subject line. If you don't get people to respond to your voicemail, if you don't get them to open your email, if you don't get them to open your direct message or read your direct message, then that nothing's going to happen. So we look at what are the three elements of a good subject line that will get people to respond to your email, your text, whatever that is. I so, think that is probably highly underrated. Oh, I think it's it's let me tell you where this came from, just so we're real clear. I didn't just sit down and say, I think I'll write a book on overcoming sales <laughs> objections, right? 10,000 people have already done that. In fact, it's funny. Uh, that's why I'm so excited about being number one for two weeks in a row. There one, you of go. Friends, one of my friends was like, you got the number one book in telemarketing two weeks in a row? Wow. He was being facetious, right? He was like, oh, aren't you a big dog? I'm like, dude, there are literally 2,000 books a day released in the sales and marketing category on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So for you to be there one day is a big damn deal. For you to be there two weeks in a row tells you that your book is needed. Okay. So anyway, let me get back to what I was saying. So the reason why I wrote this was because, David, as you know, you're, you're one of the first people I call when I made this decision. I decided to open a commercial agency with my kids, right? I think we started last no last November. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, last November, because we're coming up on our first full year. And what I realized was that the people we were hiring, my kids, all those, had no clue how to respond to anything. They had no clue how to respond to an email. They had no clue how to handle an objection or rejection. They had no clue how to add value into the conversation, what, what established our value. They just had no clue how to do it. So initially, I started writing scripts, templates, as we do. Here, here's what you say. When, when this comes up, here's what you do. When this happens, here's how this works. Here's how this works. 
And so I started writing all this down and it got bigger and it got bigger and it got bigger. And then I had to start putting it into its categories. Okay, this is phone. This is email. This mm-hmm. is text message. This is social media. And so I had to start putting in the categories. And by the time I looked around, I had like literally a 400 page journal. And I'm like, you know, I just wrote a damn book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's how I felt. I was like, I just wrote a book to get this all together because I had my appointment setters that I had certain things that they would say. I had my sales team, certain things that they would say. I had my my retention team, certain things that they would say. So then I was like, you know what? Just release the book. And so when I when I put it all in the book and sat down, we narrowed it down to 100 plus pages and got it in its own separate sections. And then I was like, well. I'll just put it out there. It'll give me something else to put on my, uh, he's also done. You know, he's also done this list. Never thinking that the book would take off. Literally. I figured I'd sell 200 copies. And we sold 6,000 copies the first week or two. So awesome. It's just needed. I think, Kyle, that's what it is. It's we, technology and AI and everybody else has made us defer or delegate our sales conversations. So people would rather email you than talk to you. Mm-hmm. They'd rather shoot you a text than talk to you. For sure. Especially my generation. And so what they're doing is they've lost like an elevator pitch. Seriously, yeah. if you went up to, to 50 agents today and say, tell me your elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. Probably 49 of them would just go, well, uh, you know, we provide uh, insurance that's going to make sure that, you know, if you ever get into it's like, that's not an elevator pitch. An elevator pitch is clear, succinct to the point, 30 seconds in, out, ready to go. Let's schedule an appointment. We just have gotten away from that. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead, David. I'll shut up. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I'm listening to everything that you're saying, and I know that, that things are going to follow a natural path. I'm just, I'm interested in how much of what is in the book is stuff that you guys have actually learned that y'all have actually learned over the course of this year, open in this agency, because I think that's the other thing too, right? We read a lot of this stuff and it's theory or it's the same. You're you even say it yourself, man. You've been talking about the same stuff for how long. I feel like this is a different angle for you. And it probably ties directly into the experience of launching, launching this agency with your kids you know, I guess sort of speak to that a little bit about the freshness of this content, because I I think that's, what's exciting for me And not that I don't sit and listen to to everything that you put out, you know, and and go and hear you speak, but to see that you've come out with something new that you're just not repackaging, rebranding or whatever. I think a lot of the people who have followed you for a number of years are probably super pumped to see something new come out. Well, you know, and and again, it's a, it's a matter of, necessity. It wasn't something, it wasn't a want. It was a need. I needed to put something together for my agency in order to be able to grow. So this is the result of listening to hundreds of hours of recorded sales calls, (laughs) literally. And when I say hundreds, I'm not making that number up. I mean, hundreds of hours, not just in this year, but going back, because I start pulling recordings from four and five and six years ago that we were doing, I'm going, okay, what was, what was saying this? And I looked at our top salespeople and said, what were they doing? You know, what was my partner that does benefits that sells, you know, $5 million a year in benefits? 
what was he saying? So I'd start pulling those recordings and start listening and then letting other people listen to those recordings. So no, this is not, this is not theory. This is, if we don't sell some shit, this agency <laughs> is not going to make any money. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And so here's what it's going to take to sell something. Here's what it's going to take to do whatever of me recording of everything else. So in talking to it, what I realized, let me start breaking it down. Let me just kind of simplify and get out of theory and start really breaking it down. So I'll break down how our, our agency is set up, and then that'll make sense into why we put specific things in the book. First and foremost, our first point of contact is our appointment centers. Okay. My salespeople do not schedule appointments. My salespeople do not follow up on cold calls, warm calls even. Even if it's a referral, my salespeople are not the one to follow up on that. That's my appointment setters. And so my appointment setters have five specific goals when they make an out, when they reach out. Number one, to get an interest, establish interest. And the way we do that is by either showing that we can give a immediate benefit by showing that we can identify a problem that that person has at that particular moment or by making asking them to take an action. So those are the three things when we talk about a good subject line. A good subject line always has one of three elements. It's either number one, I'm going to show you an immediate benefit. Like I can save you thousands of dollars on your upcoming 11624 commercial insurance renewal, right? Or it shows an immediate problem. Your neighbors are paying less on home insurance than you are. So you would have that in a subject line is what That's you're saying. That's my subject line. Okay. Your neighbors pay less for home insurance than you do. Would that make you want to at least see what the hell's going on there? Okay. <laughs> These days, so, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, especially okay. in Florida. Yeah. Right. Oh, you right. have homeowners insurance in my neighborhood? No. Wait, yeah. <laughs> right. And you right. can't last. Well, hold on. Let me see about this. Right. Or number three, uh, which is have them take an immediate action, which is I need you to read this email right now. And I know that seems like nobody's going to read that. You'd be amazed. It is one of our top opening uh, really? emails. I need you to read this email right now. I don't like being bossed around, Billy. You know what? But you're like, who? Do, well, first I'm using your name. I'd say, Kyle, I need yeah. you to read this email right now. See, that's right. that's totally different. <laughs> so, yeah, everything is personalized. We don't ever just send out generic, you know, this, this. Sure. Everything is personalized. The more data we have on you, the better. And that's mm -hmm. even in your body of your email. If I if I know your company, so your upcoming 116 uh, workers' comp renewal with Texas Mutual is four thousand three hundred ninety eight dollars I think I can make it I can save you some money if that's what I want to do or I think they've got you rated wrong and we need to look and make sure that your that your mods are right so mm -hmm. that's very personalized that's very specific and people are like well where do you get that well we use insurance sex dates that gives us all it gives us your carrier gives us your premium you know so sometimes we'll say your premium was $2,100 in 2021, it was $2,900 in 2022, it was $3,500 in, in uh, 2023, what's it going to be in 2024? Well, you're like, dang, 
So one of the things I know is the more detail I can get on you and put into the body, the more likely you are to not only read it, but engage and take an action. Yeah. So generic thing, it can really burn you out. But yeah, so for our subject line on that, you know, so again, let me get back to my track. So our appointment setters, they have five goals. Number one, to get you engaged. Uh, number two, to gather data. I need to gather some information from you. Number three, if I can't gather data from you, I need to schedule an appointment, right? So I'm either going to gather data or I'm going to schedule an appointment. Number four, I'm going to give you our elevator pitch. I'm going to show you what our value is. And then number five, I'm going to come back again and I'm going to schedule an appointment. Yes, we have two separate times within that value prop that I need to schedule an appointment. I need to schedule an appointment to get data, but I also need to schedule an appointment with our licensed sales producer so that they can sit down and go over the quote or go over the data that we gathered. So it's mm -hmm. not just I'm scheduling an appointment. One, I, I didn't get the data that I need. You didn't have your, your deck page. You didn't have your information. You don't have your EIN number, you don't, you don't have whatever, right? You don't know what your driver's driver's license numbers are. Okay, great. Let's give you time to get all that together. Now that next, that follow-up appointment is with the appointment setter again. It's still not with a licensed sales producer. It's not with a licensed sales producer until they have all the data they need to actually generate a quote. Mm -hmm. So that was our first appointment. So I had to train all of our appointment setters. We're up to 12 appointment setters now. I had to train all of those appointment setters on those five main things that they need to learn. And the reason why I did that, Kyle and David, was because when you make your CSRs or your licensed sales producers or your account managers, when you make them your initial call-out person, their job is no longer to schedule an appointment. In their mind, their job is to sell a policy. Well, you're not going to sell a policy if you don't actually get that initial contact, you don't get that appointment, and you don't gather that data. So getting them to shift from sales mode into appointment setter mode is almost impossible. It's almost mm -hmm. impossible. That's why your CSRs will call once or twice and go, I called them, they're not calling me back. Where our appointment setters, they have, they have a requirement, our standard is 11 contact attempts. That's our standard because in tracking this over the years, I know it takes 11 contact attempts for us to really get a hold of, especially a cold person. Now, that's not 11 phone calls. That's 11 different ways or 11 different variations. So mm -hmm. phone is one. Voicemail is two. Um, email. We call it pets v squared. Phone, email, text, social media, uh, voicemail, and then video. So I, I'm going to call you. I'm going to email you. I'm going to text you. I'm going to look up your, your email address on social media and see if I can DM you, right? I'm going to leave a voicemail if I have to. And then I'm going to shoot a, we have a little generic video that we created that kind of goes out to everybody. Well, just looking at those, P-E-T-S-V-2, right? So now that's six of the 11, but they may have to call three times. Mm -hmm. They may have to email four times. They may have to do whatever. Well, your CSRs, your appointments, your appointment, excuse me, your CSRs, your licensed sales producers, they're not doing that work. They're not doing all of that. So you're missing out on 40 or 50% of your sales simply because you don't have division of work. But I needed to train my appointment setters 
on what to say, how to respond, what templates, what scripts, all those particular things. Because again, it's not just what you say, it's what you send as well. So then after our appointment setters, now they move to somebody who's licensed. So our appointment setters get the get the data, get it all together. Uh, some, of, some of them are trained to put it in the system. Some of them are not. Uh, some of them just schedule the appointment for the licensed producer. Now the licensed producer comes in. Well, guess what? Now that licensed producer has to immediately establish value. And value for us is a formula. Okay, value is not some words. Value follows a formula. It's features plus benefits plus consequences plus price equal value. Let me say that again for the listeners. Our formula for value is features plus benefits plus consequences plus price equal value. So what does that mean? Maybe I'm selling, let's say I'm selling a homeowner's policy. Well, the features of the homeowner's policy are you're going to get replacement costs, you're going to get personal property, you're going to get liability, you're going to get additional living expenses. Those are features. The benefits of that replacement costs is the benefit is you never have to worry about your home not being rebuilt or you coming out of pocket just an extreme amount of money because only 80% of your home is rebuilt. Liability is going to cover you and your family anywhere in the world, regardless of fault. Um, uh, well, regardless of, I won't say a fault, but if if it's an approved claim, right? ALE or additional living expense. So those, you tell about the benefits of each one. The consequence is where our power is. The consequence is, but if you don't have this, at the moment you have a claim, this is what the claim looks like. So you don't have water backup. You don't have this. You don't have uh, service line coverage. I don't, I don't know if you guys sell service line coverage down in Florida. We do. Okay. So you don't have service line and all of a sudden this happens. This is what that claim looks like without this. So features, benefits, consequences. And then finally, price. Now to get all of that, this is, I don't, I don't know what the price is going to be until I run everything, but the more you add, the more expensive it's going to be. So we're going to give you everything that you think you need, everything we recommend that you have based on our standards. And then from there, you will come back and you choose what you want to pay for. You may say, I don't want that. That's fine. You're going to sign a decline coverage form. Whatever we recommend and you don't accept, I need you to sign off saying you're not taking it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so for us, that was the thing was being able to do that. And I won't go through each one because, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but everything follows a formula. That's the thing there is. And that's what the book is about. The book is well, about- I think that part's important because that's that's how our people are going to be able to duplicate it and and yes. learn it and process it. Um, yeah. Otherwise, if you're just like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what happened? Uh, he's got this energy drink that we were talking about earlier. Oh, okay. Otherwise, if you're just talking strictly in theory, people are going to apply it differently. It's going to work for some people and not for others because they're going to be able to maybe process it more effectively mm -hmm. in their brain and articulate it better. I think at least for me, I've always been followed like a type of formula. I've been like a visual person. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that what you're saying resonates with me. No, everything, everything has a formula because, you know, let's, let's take your listeners or your viewers. 50% of the people that are watching this right now <laughs> are going to get excited and not do anything else with it. Okay, they're they're not gonna rewatch this. At, at least fifty percent. Well, I'm just you're saying, being kind. You're well, being I very am, kind. 
50%, they're not going to rewatch it so that they can go back and say, oh, what did they say here? What did they do that? They're not going to order the book. They're not. This is just another blip in their day. Okay. 20% of them are going to do something with it, but we just don't know what. They may take one subject line that I mentioned and go, oh, I'm going to use that subject line. I like that. Your homeowner's insurance, your neighbors are paying less than you are. Oh, I'm going to use that. That's fine. But they're going to do something. 10% just aren't going to get it. I don't, I don't care how much we say it. I don't care how much we explain it. I don't care whatever. They're just not going to get it. And so that leaves 20% of your audience that is really going to maximize what you're doing here. And our job is to try to give that 20% everything they need while giving the other 80% at least something, at least a piece of something that they can walk away with. Okay. Fair That's enough. the common prospect action. This is actually a formula in the book for establishing value. So in your elevator pitch, your elevator pitch should have four components to it. Number one, it should have a CPA, a common prospect action. After you have your common prospect action, it should be a consequence of that action. That's element two. Then it should be what we do as a benefit to overcome that consequence. And then finally, let's keep talking. Let's schedule an appointment. Let's do whatever. So let me put this in a real world conversation. Let's say I was calling someone for commercial insurance. It was a contractor. I'd say, hey, contractor, 90% of the contractors that we talk to get so busy that they wait until about a week before their insurance is due before they ever look at their policy. And then they're too busy to do any real research. So they just let it automatically renew. The problem with that is that they could be have they could have coverage that they just don't need. They could have coverage that they need, but they don't have. And they could be spending thousands of dollars on a weak policy. What we do, though, is we do 90% of the work for you. So where you'd have to spend 100% of that time talking to your current broker or your current agent, we'll do 90% of the upfront work for you through our research, through our AI partners, through our whatever, and find the data that we need. So now when we do sit down and talk, you only need to dedicate 10% of the time that you normally would dedicate. All I need is 10 minutes of your time. Go ahead and schedule something on this video. Look up in the top right corner of my Loom video. You'll see an appointment schedule link. Go ahead and click that. Take 30 seconds and let's schedule an appointment. Okay, now let's, let's break down each of those elements. CPA, common prospect action. 90% of the commercial or 90% of the contractors that I talk to will wait until the last minute to even look at their policy. And then they'll get too busy to do any research and they'll just let it renew. I just told you what you're going to do. Once someone tells you what you're going to do, you tend not to do it. <laughs> okay. Like your wife, let's be honest. We're all married, right? Are you married, Kyle? I am. Okay. So when your wife says, you know, you're not going to go out there and clean out that garage. I don't know why you're pretending. What do we do? We mumble our ass right on out there and start cleaning up that garage, right? <laughs> Women have been using this technique on us for, for decades, for generations, right? <laughs> <laughs> for generations. But we're not doing it in sales. We're not pointing out, hey, I know right now you probably feel like I'm cold calling you and you just want to hang up the phone. But the problem with just hanging up the phone without at least hearing what I have to say is you could be missing out on something that's going to completely change your life. 
So why don't you give me 30 seconds? If you don't like what I say after 30 seconds, go ahead and hang up the phone. So CPA, common prospect action. Number two, consequence. The consequence of you taking this action is this. Benefit, here's what I'm gonna do to make it easy for you to not have to deal with that consequence. And then finally, let's continue talking. Let's schedule an appointment, Let give me 30 seconds, let's sit down and talk, let's do whatever. That's a formula for value. That's a, I mean, for value. That's a formula to show your value in a conversation. That's your elevator pitch. And most agencies have never built an elevator pitch. So the last conference that I did, I, I told the room, give me anything you want me to have and I'll make an elevator pitch in seconds. No, like, no, no, you can't. I said, do it. Okay, I was like, lemonade, right? He just threw out a lemonade stand. And I was like, okay. Well, again, CPA, most of you that are passing my lemonade stand are not going to buy lemonade, right? You're not going to buy lemonade from me. You're just going to keep walking. The consequence of that is the money that I would have used to buy a bike, I would have used to do this, I would have used to do that. I'm not going to have enough to do it. The benefit is if you just stop and taste my lemonade, you'd love it then I could get my bike, you'd have great lemonade, everything would be wonderful. But just stop and take my lemonade. Just stop and order some of my lemonade, <laughs> right? And it doesn't matter what it is. If you have those four elements in your elevator pitch, CPA, common prospect action, consequence, benefit, and then continuing the conversation by either scheduling an appointment, giving me 30 seconds, do whatever, you can formulate a value elevator pitch in seconds for any product, any service, anywhere, anything, just by using those four formulas, using the four elements of that formula. Does that make sense? Yeah, so absolutely. Those, those are the kind of things that we talk about. And that's where all of our templates and scripts and everything that's built into the book. And again, in the book, we, we have templates for phone, for email, for text, for social media, for video. We give you full video scripts. Uh, we give you voicemail. We give you uh, hundreds, I think, of voicemail templates that are in there that you can leave voicemail that are all built around that simple formula of showing value, of making sure that I can give a good elevator pitch and it grabs your attention right away. So again, the thing is about the book, it's not a Billy felt, Billy said, Billy thinks it's, guys, I've been in sales damn near my entire life. Remember, I was commander of Army College recruiting. So when you can sell the military, when you can sell a kid <laughs> you know, going into the military and you can be one of the best at it. I was recruiter of the year, two years in a row for the entire United States Army. When you can do that, you learn the, the techniques. And we use that formula even coming down the, the hall. Let me tell you what one of the things that I, I did with my soldiers when I was commander was I would take them to a mall and we'd set up a little, little booth, little kiosk. And I'd say, you guys have to get 200 signatures and you got one hour to do it. Right. 200 signatures of people that say I've watched a presentation that the U.S. Army was doing here in this mall. I teach them about the value. I teach them about the formula, I teach them about whatever. But they'd always want to do it the hard way. They'd always do the one shot, one kill. Hey, excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Hey, excuse me. Excuse me. And then about an hour into it, I'd say, OK, guys, here's how you really do it. I take out my little bullhorn because I got permission from the mall. Take out my little bullhorn and go, look, I'm with the United States Army. My name's Billy Williams. I'm you know, I'm, I'm command station commander of U.S. Army recruiting. I know that 90% of you walking down this mall will not pay any attention to the military, even though you got student loans, even though you got kids who 
who need to have some discipline, even though you got people who have no clue what they're going to do with their life. I know that 90% of you are not going to pay any attention at all to what I'm saying. And the problem with that is you're going to have those kids who can't pay off their student loans, who can't do this, who can't do that, who have no discipline, and you have nothing that you can share with them. You can't give them any additional information, any additional knowledge, any additional wisdom, because you won't take 30 seconds to hear what we have to say. But to make it easy for you, instead of trying to talk to you one-on-one, I'm going to have, uh, at two o'clock, we're going to do a presentation. It's going to take five minutes. I'll tell you all the benefits of joining the Army. Just show up at two o'clock. Well, guess what happened at two o'clock? We'd have 50 people, 60 people, 70 people come to our booth at two o'clock. Because one, CPA, I told them what they were going to do. Once someone tells you what you're going to do, you tend not to do it. Two, I explained the consequences. And three, I gave them the benefit of how I was going to make it easy for them. And then four, I gave them an opportunity to show up and let's continue talking. I took the pressure off them of being one-on-one and said, just come listen to the presentation. We don't do that anymore as insurance. You know, it used to be, David, back in the day, everything wasn't one-on-one. Everything wasn't let me DM you. Everything was, you know, when I started, I would go out to the damn uh, sports fields and give out my business card and say, hey guys, I'm gonna go sit in my car and we're gonna have a conference call in 15 minutes and I'll explain accident policies. I'll explain cancer, accident, stroke, heart attack. I'll explain those policies. All you gotta do is be on the phone. Mm-hmm. But we don't do that anymore. So anyway, long story short. Well, I think that's that what it's about. the way that the people that people are receiving information has changed. Like you're obviously not gonna go out to the fields and hand out business cards anymore. You're gonna do something a little bit more effective, but the way that people process information and the way that they feel about certain situations and what objections they may have and being able to reason with themselves and get to a destination that you want them to be at that. I don't know. I don't think that part has changed. Well, going out to the fields has now become doing a Facebook ad. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Having sitting in my car and doing a a, a telemarketing call, which I still do, but sitting in my car has now become a Facebook live. Mm. So the only thing that's changed is the tools or the, yeah, the tools we're using to do it, but the actual Theory is is exactly the same. Mm. Yeah, and the other thing is, people are still going to the ball field. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. nothing saying that if that worked 20 years ago, that it won't still work today. Because it's, I think there's so many times when when something's not broken, we just still gravitate to the shiny object that came out that's going to make that thing easier. I was talking to somebody about this either last week or the week before there's a trend in social in, in uh, social media, digital advertising right now called dark social. You can't, mm-hmm. you, you don't know how to determine where the lead originated from. And the only thing that you can do is have people ask questions regarding attribution. When that person reaches out to you, where did you hear of us? Oh, interesting. Because they could have been scrolling through their feed on LinkedIn and read something you posted, but never liked it, never commented on it. They just saw it and decided two days later, you know what? I should reach out to that guy. I bet he could help me with my problem based on what he saw. Or you could have one of their friends read your article and then send them the link on private message on a completely different platform. There's no way for a CRM to track it. There's no way for any technology to do it. You have to ask. Guess what, man? We lived in dark social for our whole lives. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
Like, that's nothing new. The ball field was dark social for all practical purposes because you got a bunch of parents that are sitting in the stands. What are they talking about? They're not talking about little Johnny. This is their one chance to be away from little Johnny while they're watching him on the field. They're talking about what movies they saw, what series they're watching on TV, what restaurants they eat at, where they bought those new shoes that the lady's wearing, whatever else. It's all dark social when it's mouth to mouth. The thing is when technology technology has evolved we have abandoned that but i would argue that you could still be absolutely just as effective in the bleachers at a little league game today as you could 20 years ago we just quit doing it because we're it's easier for us to push a button and have it go out to a thousand people and let the law of large numbers work and we'll probably have the same yield with less effort when you're not going to have the same connection that you would have doing it the old way. And that was my point. I wasn't saying that it wouldn't work. Just the way that people are receiving information and pushing right. no, it no, out no, I, is I much I agree different. with you. Yeah, but my, my whole but, point is we just should still be doing that and yeah, doing this. Yeah, right. So one of the things that we do, you know, we do commercial, but we also do life and benefits and things like that. So this little card right here, you guys can't see it, but this is our little card that we give out for Williams Family Investment Group. So I still have my outside salespeople. I have four outside salespeople. They still go by Home Depot and they put our cards on the windshield of contractor trucks. Okay. Now you talk about some 1984 black hat marketing. We're still doing it. Hey, they're out there fighting for space with the guys selling perfume out of the boxes, man. (laughs) (laughs) And, And it still works. We still get calls from guys who are like, oh, Okay, yeah, I see this. It says commercial insurance, business owners insurance. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I got something. You guys left something on my windshield. Now, am I going to get one for one? No, we may have to leave a hundred cards to get one phone call. But at the end of the day, that's a hundred cards that somebody could find. That's that dark social. Somebody could find it. Somebody could see it lying on the ground. Somebody could give it to their friend, to their neighbor, to whatever else. Um, so yeah, you just you just never know. But at the end of the day. The problem, I I believe the main problem that we have is one, we don't prospect. Okay. And when we do prospect, we don't know what to say. Right. We don't have a clue how to actually add value to our conversations when we're prospecting. So that's why I wrote the sales objection pocket guide. And it's not a literary book. It's not a me explaining the theory and explaining all this. You got one chapter that talks about five, five, four, three, the five goals, uh, or, or the five times you're going to hit an objection, the five goals of a response, the four the four elements of a good elevator pitch, and then the three elements of the subject line, right? And then there's uh, the value, how you establish your value, facts, benefits, or excuse me, features, benefits, consequences, um, and then from there, right? And so features, benefits, consequences, price, equal value. So that's it. It's one chapter. The rest of the entire book, like 90-something pages of the book, is examples. That's all it is, pure examples. So it's like, okay, phone. Person will not call you back. Here are 15 examples of what you should say. Uh, Phone. The person, you've talked to them, but now they refuse to respond to your follow-ups. Here are 20 things you should say, 20 things you can modify and say. So it's not a deal, guys, where it's a... It's a practical pocket guide. It's literally, I wrote it for you to keep on your desk, for you to download to your phone, for you to keep 
you know, in your notebook where you're getting hit with a situation. You're like, dang, what do I say? Got it. Okay, here's some stuff that I can say. That's how I wrote it because I wanted to be a practical pocket guy. We all know storytelling and examples is what sticks. Mm -hmm. We could talk theory all day long. I mean, I could get a good look, look at a team. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we were, look, Billy said five, five, four, three, how many times? Yeah. I'm not going to remember that two days from now, unless I actually go back and listen to this again, which I will read his book, which I will. But if I didn't do those things, that's not going to stick. But if I read the book and I see an example of, you know, and he tells the stories of how this stuff actually applies in real life. I can take that and relate it to something I've gone through personally, and then it's going to stick with me way more than just reading it and and try, having to try and remember it, which that goes back to producers. If you're running into objections and you're not doing anything to try and get past them, you're not educating yourself on getting better, reading books or all of that, what happens? We don't do what we don't like, and we're mm. going to end up not prospecting as much either. So having the tools and the resources to be able to go out and have a very comprehensive approach to overcoming sales objections only makes you that much stronger and less likely to, to get discouraged when you're out there. Here's a newsflash. Every single one of us faces objections. Don't believe me? Try walking into a bar on a Friday night sober and actually paying attention to what's going on in there. You're going to see people that are, you know, trying to pick each other up and all of that. Heck, you could even go sober and try and pick people up and you'll remember what you said that made them reject you, right? But if you think <laughs> about it, in every aspect of our life, there's some sort of a roadblock. There's some sort of a rejection or objection that you're going to face. And until you put yourself in the environment where you have to deal with it or have the opportunity to deal with it, it's kind of irrelevant to you. So I think I see that's what happens with salespeople. It's easier just to throw your hands up and say, eh, I'm not going to prospect today. I think I'm going to work on getting these quotes caught up, you know, or, or find busy work or right. whatever else. When the reality is, you know, I'm of the mindset. It's just like, um, it's just like they talk about when you play basketball and somebody somebody's hitting a cold spell, you got to shoot your way out of it, man. That's the shoot only shoot, way baby. it's going to happen. You got to shoot your way out of it. If you've got a problem with your swing in baseball, taking time off it and going to fix it. You go back, you watch tape from when you were hitting the best you've ever hit, and then you get into the cage and you take more swings than you've ever taken before until you get that back in form and, and you're back to where you were when you were at your best sales is no different. We make this way, way, way too difficult. The fact of the matter is number one, you have to be willing to apply yourself. There's a novel concept. I actually have to try it. My job. Yeah, you do. You have to actually apply yourself. The second thing is you can't ever get to a point where you think, you know, everything about what you're doing. None of us will ever, ever, get there. You've got to remember there's still stuff that you need to learn and then you have to seek that information out. Then the third thing is you have to actually consume that information and make sure that you understand it and that you're 
constantly reading or watching YouTube shorts or whatever. And, you know, I don't sleep from about one to three or two to four in the morning. I'm on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok looking at what all of these younger, early 20s, late teens marketing guys and get, ladies are doing. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm forwarding that stuff to my son, say, make our agency do this, make our agency do this. I'm not going to be the one to do it. I don't have to know how to do that anymore. I know the guy who can and he's on my team. I want him to do that, but I've got to consume that. And then the fourth thing is, and it's the one that very, 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 very few people do, but the best do it 100% of the time. And that's execute on the other three. You have to execute on all of it or you wasted your time in the other three things I just said. And that's why we split up our division of work. Uh, that's why we have appointment centers because my, my licensed people will never do the amount of work that the appointment centers do. They'll never do it. No, they'll get their feelings hurt. You know, you and I both know that. We, you and I, are on the same page there. We have a whole separate group of people who call and set appointments. Now, that doesn't mean that my producers don't need to go out and originate new business. It doesn't mean that they don't need to go out and do cold call marketing drops and all of the other things. It just means that if you're going to be on the phone, you need to be a hundred percent dedicated to that. I, I don't need a producer that's getting an email coming. Yeah, highest price talent that I have sitting yeah. at a desk making mm -hmm. outbound calls when I can actually get better results for mm -hmm. a fraction of the cost having an appointment setter full time doing that. Let the producers go out and focus on those opportunities that they should be focused on that are the best opportunities that are the closest to them actually winning and, and, and being able to write that business. Let your appointment setters fill in the blanks for everything else. And it's a great process because it's amazing how much business you write when you have producers that are originating new business, you have referrals coming in, you have digital coming in, and you've got appointment setters who are working in the background the entire workday, setting appointments, and you don't have to, li have to lift a finger to do that. Well, I, I still don't, don't say I don't lift a finger because then my kids will be like, dad, I knew you weren't working. I knew you were out playing golf. No, I'm, I'm actually lifting a finger <laughs> because I'm actually checking the reports. 100%, but that's what you should be doing, yeah. right? That's what you should be doing. And I mean, that's the thing. If we're running our businesses right, because look, if I don't have reports, I'm a horrible manager. Horrible. I've got to have reporting. I have to have analytics on everything or yeah. it's going to look like I have analytics on nothing. When I ran grocery stores, I could easily run it because that is how my brain is wired I could simply look at the budgeting. I could look at the reports that I was getting, even by the hour, and I could see who was not going to hit their numbers for the week, who's not going to hit their gross gross profit in this department or that department, and know how to shuffle things around. I can do a very, very good job when I have that information. It's when you don't have that information. And I mean, how many agents, you see it way more than I do, well, man. When well, you're out looking at agencies that, that you're going to invest in or whatever else, there's a lot of agencies that don't have the first report. They don't they don't have KPIs or anything to report on. You know, Dave, one of, not, not just that, but even in my membership for the Inspire Nation membership, the very first task, the very first action step, and I'll, once you download your checklist, but the, the very first action step is do a business analysis report where I'm asking you who are your top three carriers? What you know? What revenue does each carrier provide? Who are the top producers in your agency for each carrier? Because Susie may be writing Travelers, Joe is writing Liberty Mutual, and then Dave is over here writing, you know, whoever, right, Cincinnati or somebody. And so I'm asking this 
90% of agents cannot fill out that report. It's literally a one-page report that tells me about the production and retention of your agency. And 90% of the agents cannot fill out that one-page report, which I call a tickler report, which is just give me some basics. Give me a little bit about your agency. 90% of them can't do it. Well, it's just, it, it, and I, look, I'll throw another one out there. 90% of producers can't tell you what their hourly rate is because they've never calculated it. They don't even place a value on their own time. How do they expect other people to value it? Well, you know, my big thing is what denomination do you think it? Yep. You know, what did not, and that's, and that's why I don't want my $100 an hour people doing $10 an hour work because then they'll start to lower their denomination to that $10 an hour work. And then weak salespeople hang out in admin. Okay. <laughs> uh, everybody listening, please remember that. Weak salespeople hang out in admin. So when you tell me you have a licensed sales producer and then you tell me, oh, she's perfect. Her notes are always spot on. Her eyes <laughs> are always dotted. Her T's are always crossed. I can go back and look at a record of every conversation she's had for the last six months. And I can tell you she ain't selling shit. I can <laughs> yeah. No, that's why I need five handlers, man, because I'm never going to take the time to do that. Right. Mm. Exactly. Salespeople don't hang out in admin. Salespeople hang out selling. And if and I'm not saying that you can't do admin when you're selling. I'm saying if you are phenomenal at yeah, you don't admin, need to be world class. You are not, you are not a great salesperson. I just I, I'd don't rather get that. I'd rather get fired yeah. for taking no notes than fired for production any day of the week. You know, you're yeah. not gonna get yeah. me to like I'm the worst. I'm the worst of about doing the things that I preach, but it goes back to, again, it goes back to skill set, how you're wired, what mm. are you really good at? What should you be doing? There's too many people that try and do the wrong thing because that's not where they should be, but it's what they want, right? Just because you want to be a producer doesn't mean you're a producer. You got to be willing yeah. to work for it, get trained, and everything else. It's just like bad clients or or bad prospects. Just because you have money to buy insurance doesn't mean I want to sell it to you. Exactly. Exactly. So, Kyle, what questions do you have about the book? The reason why I keep moving is I got to let my I was going to say my man's getting his steps in today. I, I, was, I looked to see if he had his Apple Watch on. It was telling him it was <laughs> time to stand. I, I got my dog. Um, my dog is uh, – Yeah, is, so – He's the so, ruler of me. It's all good. So I, I will say this, going back to the objection thing, um, I know we kind of transitioned there a little bit, but like – I think that a lot of people view objections as a negative thing. Oh, this person's telling me no. But I always taught when I was managing a team, um, you know, doing direct B2B sales that an objection was was not, it wasn't even a no, really. It was more of just, he here's my issue. Right. You know, fix it. If you can fix my issue, then we're going to do business. That's all an objection really is. Whether they're telling you they're too busy or they already work with somebody or they go here for well, their- I can't afford it. Yeah, or whatever it is, if if you can if you can relate with them, if you can understand with them, um, and empathize with their situation, and then provide a solution for that, of course, that is reasonably priced, mm -hmm. and you're showing them value, then then you're going to win the deal. And I think that a lot of times producers across all industries get a little bit like you know weirded out by the by the whole objection thing. But I, I truly do think it is is a it's fundamentally the same across every aspect of sales. You just have to, get, you have to be able to relate with people. So I think part of the reason they get weirded out is they're not prepared period. Yeah. It's like anything else, man, showing up to the final exam and you didn't do any of your homework or study all semester. 
And I'm yeah. not saying you you per se, but you know, overcome let's face it, how many different types, like if, if we were to count right now, in, in in just basically the the common things we hear, there's probably between I'm telling five you, and I've list, five I've listed like objectives. three or four. Yeah, I've listed three or four. I truly think that it I think that there are like four. Yeah, everybody so if, if you literally like, I don't they have don't time. I already cool. have, yeah, I already have we time. Already have I already agent. have some, yeah, yeah, my brother-in-law or whatever. I mean, all of that crap. But if you're prepared when you go in and you don't skip a beat, you gain a little bit of credibility every single <clears throat> time. And sometimes mm-hmm. those people are just pushing your buttons to see whether or not you're able, you're, you're worth them giving time to, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just mm-hmm. like just like my standard one. If I know somebody's experience mod, when I walk in, they say, "Well, you know, my college buddy is my agent." Man, I'd love to meet him. Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, I just I want to see who a fifty thousand dollar friend is because you're paying fifty thousand dollars a year more than you should, so your friend can represent you. I can't think of anybody in my friends list that's going to pay fifty grand to keep me around every single year. So mm. I want to meet this guy. He's got to be special, or she has to be special, right? And then I'm just going to immediately go to if you're paying 50 grand more, that means you're paying 150 instead of 100. Your friend is making $15,000 a year. I'm confident that if you just stroke them a check for 15,000 but you let me place the insurance, I'm going to do such a good job. We all win and you're going to pay less. <laughs> right? So let's take what you just said and let's break that down into a formula. Okay? Because what you say is very powerful, but it but it always follows the formula. So number 1, you walked in and you said, you said, I, I know what your mod is already. So you already had some. Yeah, some usually I'll say something like, are you happy that you're paying at least 50% more for your right, workers? Right. So you're saying 50,000, you know, I'm paying $50,000 more. So you blend it too. You blended consequences with a common action. So you said the consequence of your buddy, your friend, you're this, you're that, is that you're paying $50,000 or more. You're paying $50,000 or more. And, and they're like, what? They're like, yeah, yeah, you, that's a good friend. That's a good buddy. You Man, you, you must be really good pals. So that's kind of a combination of those two. And then you said, I'm pretty sure if you just wrote him a $15,000 check and let me represent you, he'd be happy, you'd be happy, you'd be better, you'd be good. So you gave a benefit. You You overcame what their consequence was with a benefit. And then, of course, the last thing you're, you saying, hey, um, just sit. I'm sure you say, sit down with me. Let's talk. Let me go through this. Let me explain to you what the hell is going on here because you're really getting, you're not in your best position. So, no matter how you put it, the elements are always the same. Some elements may lean more, like you may be more focused on the consequence or more focused on the benefit, but the elements are always the same. And the reason that I do it that way is because they don't necessarily feel the $50,000 more in premium. But mm-hmm. the second I tell them they can pay that person $15,000 just flat out as compensation for being a friend to them, all of a sudden, now now they're serious. Now you have their I attention. You're like, you're like, wait a minute, I ain't paying anybody anything to be my friend. The guy's only coming here twice a year, maybe. You know, That's, You're paying $7,500 a visit. Where you put, you, know, you put a value on it. You've made, you made them a value. 
hundred percent. And I mean, that's the thing, man. Producers have to be, you got to be prepared. You got to be quick on your feet. I have a new producer call for the people in killing commercial every Monday from 12 to 1230. It's an open forum. They can come in with any questions they have. It's a nice safety valve for my calendar that people aren't blocking 30 minutes or longer when they just have one question. And I had a guy come on today asking what he was working on. He's like, well, you know, I'm getting ready to go do this and this and this this week. I'm like, you're already behind, man. You should have had all that stuff prepared on Friday of last week. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Like, you're you're going to go do marketing drops tomorrow and you haven't even started preparing what the information is or researching the companies or anticipating what the objections may be and then anticipating what your answer is going to be to that and all of this stuff. The bottom line is this producers, every single time you walk into an account, you are in a job interview period. You're not going to go to a job interview. If you're not dressed right, if you haven't taken time to dust off your resume and make sure it's accurate, that you haven't taken some time to think through questions like, tell me about a time that you've been on a team that performed poorly. How did you respond? All of that kind of stuff that you get asked, You're going to prepare for that. You're going to think about it. Why in the world will we go into an account that's going to pay us $25,000 a year in commission, buck naked with no preparation? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't. It's a ludicrous thing to think about, but we do it all the time. All the time. And then we wonder why why we lose when we just all we do is we send in, we fill in some information, send it out, get a quote, and all of a sudden ours isn't good enough. Well, we don't know anything about the account. We haven't taken time to build a relationship. We haven't done anything at all to, to be able to go in and be and accurately represent what we've actually seen, touched, and felt to an underwriter. We're quoting and hoping, and that's it. Yep. And you know, one of the things you said something about you're on a job interview. Not only are you on a job interview, you're interviewing for them to fire the existing employee and replace Mm. them with you. 100%. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So it is not like it's an unfilled position that they're trying to fill. They actually have someone sitting in that position and you got to knock them out of there. So you better come in strong. You better come in with a, with a systematic formula-based responses and systematic formula-based objection overcoming. I mean, all those particular things. And that's what people don't do. And the reason why they don't do a lot of times because no one ever trained them. We're all a product of our, our training. And then the other thing is they don't follow a system of conversation. Everything I do is a system from the, from the way I play golf to the way I cook food, to the way I train, to the way I exercise. Everything for me has to be about a system. When I think, you know, because of my military background, I'm thinking who, what, when, why, where. Facts, goals, obstacles, solutions. You know, I mean, that's, if I can't think in that process, I can't think. That's just me. But most people don't think in a process. They wing it. So the book was about giving you a process and a system and examples in case you didn't want to think that you could apply in pretty much any situation. Well, I can tell you this, man, according to my social, you've sold a few books in the last hour because I posted a picture of us talking and talked about your new book in the posts. And I've already gotten comments in the thread said, just bought it, just went and picked it up. So people are out there who want this people out there who need it. Now, what are you going to do? You got to use it. You know, (laughs) that's the only way this goes away. So Listen, man, we've been going for an hour. I want to be respectful of your time. It's not lost on me that um, – are you in Dallas right now? Yes, sir. So you must have played golf early this morning because you ain't playing this afternoon. Well, I played this morning. Okay, yeah. there we go. I was going to say because normally you'd be out on the golf course by now. 
Oh, what's to say I'm not? I mean, when we finish here, it'll just be like, <laughs> what's to say I'm not going to get out and get another nine in before it gets dark? There you, there you go. go. You absolutely yeah. should, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking time for coming on oh, today. People, it is the Sales Objections Pocket Guide by Dr. Billy Williams. And I encourage everybody to go out, pick up a copy. And in fact, let's do this. For the first 10 people who send me an email to david at killingcommercial.com, david at killingcommercial.com. Hang on. Let's let Billy come up with the subject line here. Yeah. What do you want the subject line to be? You're the the subject line master because this is how I sort them. It's got to be precise. I'm overcoming objections. Okay. There you go. Right. I'm overcoming 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 objections. And then listen, guys and ladies, you got to give me your name and your mailing address. I get these things. Is it all still the time. happening? Still happening? It's just <laughs> something in the subject line. Come on, help me out. Help me out. Yeah. I'm overcoming objections in the subject line to David at Killing Commercial, your name and mailing address. First 10 people get a copy of the book on me. There you go. That being said, I can't answer better than that. Now, man, let's go. Let's see what happens. And then what I want you to do is if you have a success story, from reading that book, shoot me an email and let me know. Maybe we do Maybe we do a follow-up podcast in another couple months. We just have a bunch of people on to talk about how what they learned in the book, what objection they faced, how they overcame it, and tie that directly back to, uh, to what Billy's given us. So Thank everybody, you, have a great week. We will catch you next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.